This is the 200 Churches Podcast, Episode 85. The more we work on ourselves, the more it gets reflected in the church. So it's really about what our friend Dave Jacobs is about, soul care. It's about taking care of your own heart, your own spirit, your own relationship with Jesus. And a lot of that just kind of oozes out into the church. So a healthy pastor who's growing in his faith will pastor a healthy church that's growing in their faith as long as we communicate what Christ is doing in our own hearts. Thank you for listening to the 200 Churches Podcast, which is all about pastors of small churches. If you are a small church pastor or leader, this podcast is for you. Each and every Wednesday, we deliver another episode specifically designed to bring ministry encouragement to pastors of small churches. Now, here are two guys who serve and lead in a 200 church, the big and tall of ministry podcasts, Jeff and Johnny. This is the 200 Churches Podcast. I'm Johnny Craig. As usual, I'm here with the man, the myth, the legend. I've done that one before, Jeff, but it's no less true. Carl, he's talking about you. Oh, Carl, yeah, yeah. Oh, obviously. <laughs> okay, I'm here with Jeff Cady, and we're here with Carl Vaders. Carl hey from Carl from NewSmallChurch.com. How how are things going over there at New Small Church? Uh, they're good. Yeah, I, I'm. I'm. People keep reading my stuff, and it surprises me every time. It probably shouldn't. That's awesome. <laughs> we're always surprised yeah. when somebody listens, so we're in the yeah, same boat. There you go. There you go. So, uh, Carl, you're at New Small Church. You're at a church in Southern California. It, this time of year, we're enjoying the heat and the warm weather here in uh, Iowa. Are you guys like getting pounded with heat and humidity there, or is it just pleasant? It it's the hottest. Summer in California, I think since they began keeping records. I just wow. saw that. Wow. Wow. Yeah, We've had a cool summer. It's been warm here. Huh. So what's what's hot? It's like over 100 a lot? Uh, not where I am because I'm like three miles from the ocean. Hmm. Uh, but, yeah, there's a lot of over 100 degree temperatures. You know, I, I'm, in a, I'm in an interesting spot. Three miles to the west, I hit the ocean, and it can, it can be... 70 degrees uh, three to five miles to the east uh it can be 25 to 30 degrees higher than that on a yeah given. wow yeah that yeah. is crazy yeah we're in an interesting spot right here and the drought of course continues and it's just worst drought in california history it's getting brutal right now wow so you got there's people hurting there definitely yeah yeah and we just had the earthquake in uh, the san francisco yeah. bay area and yeah. that uh, that's got some serious hurt going on too so yeah it's 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 not all hollywood and palm trees here <laughs> well you know when we talk about this stuff it makes me think that some of the stuff we deal with day to day is just so menial you know when you've got when you've got probably a lot of uh people without economic means who have little or no air conditioning yeah and you've got the hottest summer of the uh, in history Absolutely. You know, and then you've got well, to... Well, because it's the people with money who live on the beach where they don't need yeah, air conditioning. Right. And the people without money who have to live inland in the desert where they and where they can't afford air conditioning. It's it's a very... It's, it's a big gap. Yeah. Which is why we need new small churches that believe in justice issues and social concerns. Helping people who are hurting. Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, there you go. And that's not always been true. Of no. uh, conservative yeah. Christian churches, Big they've been small. more concerned with memorizing the next Bible verse than helping the person down the street who's cooking. It's true. We've. I mean, it, no offense, it, it, of course. No, I, I absolutely agree. Agree with you completely. One of the things that 
churches that have a conservative theology, which I certainly do, and that is very different from a conservative politics, uh, they don't right. necessarily go hand in hand. Uh, I'm not saying one way or another on the politics. We'll leave that for another podcast. Uh, <laughs> you like for your those fans? Who have, yeah, but for those who have a solid evangelical, Christian, conservative approach to the Bible, the authority of God's Word and so on, we have really been good on, uh, or we have been loud on the uh, sexual and moral sins, but we have not been nearly as good at some of the helping hurting people out stuff the, um, this is the you know, realest beginning of a podcast i've ever been a part of <laughs> we're like two minutes in usually we're still telling jokes about the weekend at this point yeah well blame jeff he, he jeff jumped got, right he in. got serious so fat jeff did. well yeah. you talk about you know you talk about this saying. stuff and you got to think about the yeah the people that are suffering absolutely. and absolutely that's our know, job and i still feel like okay that's real great you know we've talked about them and there they are and we're still here in our luxurious and opulent studio. Today, today on is Diet not a good Coke. day to, to use those <laughs> words for the studio. <laughs> now I feel bad. You know, it actually is, though, one of, I think, one of the great values of the small church. Uh, big churches do great work. And I've been to the big churches near us, for instance, and you see these, they have these cavernous buildings filled with food that they are constantly getting to their neighbors. Hmm. So there's no question that big churches really help out the, their neighbors a lot. But the one thing that a small church can add to that mix is a more personal touch, is a person who is poor is sometimes intimidated walking into a big, big building with all of the bells and whistles. Sure. And they sometimes feel like they don't belong. They're greeted as though they belong. It's not the fault of the church. It's not the fault of anybody. It's just sometimes when you're not doing real well, it feels awkward to walk into a place where everybody else is just dressed more nicely. Yeah. But they can walk into a smaller church that may be struggling as well, and they feel like they can identify that they can belong, and it just it helps. Uh, the challenge for the small church then is to you know really recognize that and really step up to do that uh we have the opportunity we don't do it as well as we should a lot of the time but we have an opportunity there that we shouldn't let pass by as often as we do sometimes and this is why i wear my scuffed shoes to preach in right there yeah. stuffed no shoes? scuffed 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 johnny <laughs> johnny got uh johnny got it spoken to one time and said you know hey come on polish your shoes polish. when you're gonna preach yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah. This is a. Uh, I don't own shoe polish. <laughs> yeah, is, I have not owned shoe polish for a lot either. Yeah. Well, this is good, and this is part of uh, being what we're going to talk about today, Carl. It's on your essential reading list for newsmallchurch.com, and that's about how to how to become a great church, even if you're a small church. And by the way, we recently, and maybe it was last week when we said uh, we called you a prolific writer on small church issues there at New Small Church. And uh, if any of you that are listening uh, want to read some great small church articles, Carl, do you know how many posts you've, you've put up at NewSmallChurch.com? It's in the 260 range. Wow. You're making the rest of us look real That's, bad. <laughs> That's a lot. That, that's that's my goal. And your hey, and your <laughs> posts are not. I mean, you. I'm sure you've oh, got 500 man. word minimum, and probably between a thousand and two thousand words on some of those posts. Dude. The earlier ones were bigger because I was establishing some prim- 
principles to start out with. They're getting shorter as I move along. Yeah. Hey, hey, you know, it's time for small churches to become great churches. Don't you yes. think, Carl? <laughs> oh, I believe it is, and I think it's smooth. time we started talking about it. I mean, last summer, <laughs> last summer in June you wrote about that. It's time for yeah. small churches to become great churches. Now, my question is, to those of you listening, do, do you believe that your small church can be a great church? Can your small church be a great church? Or is every small church... Is it like impossible for a small church to be a great church? Is it an oxymoronic to say small and great in the same sentence? And and that right there is, I think, the single number one barrier that a small church pastor pastor has to overcome before their church has any prayer of becoming a great great small church. I nailed it, Carl, didn't I? You absolutely did. It's the number one thing. I really believe there's a lot of pastors out there who don't believe their church can be great until they hit certain numbers. I, and I know that because I was one of those guys. Right. It's a big part of my story in the grasshopper myth is I didn't think my church could be considered great until I hit certain numbers. And it's because the number thing is fed to us so constantly from the books we read, the conferences we go to, from denominational officials who say we got to get our numbers up this mm-hmm. year. It's driven into us so much, and it's like, you know, great means bigger. Right. And, and it's just not the case. And for some of us, I've been asked, one of the biggest questions I was asked, especially when I first started the blog, was what does a great small church look like? Now, you know what I'm thinking? I'm thinking of these crazy movies where they have a little baby that's got the the head and the face of a you know forty five year old guy, right? right? It's 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 freakish, right? So right. we don't we don't want to look at a small church and just see a mega church only smaller, right? It'd be like babies that look like adults. It's it's not exactly. natural. That's not a baby is a baby and an adult is an adult, but they're exactly. both humans, mm-hmm. right? So yeah. Isn't that what all the, you know, church growth things say is if you're a church of 200 people, start acting like a church of 500 people. Basically, it's saying mold yourself after a larger church all the time. And we never hear, hey, a great a great church needs to do what it does really well. So, you know, if if you ha- if you're super friendly, you need to be super friendly. That's, you know, you can be great as a small church doing what you do well. You don't have to go and look and try to imitate what all the bigger churches are doing. But that flies in the face of church growth stuff. Yeah, and it's unfortunate because I think what we've what we've gained through the church growth movement is an emphasis on everything from just doing your job better to figuring out what your vision is. There's a whole bunch of great stuff that has come out of the church growth movement. But one of the things we've really lost is, I think, a sense of individuality. Um, and we're more concerned with being... Uh, like a certain church that we really admire than we are trying to figure out what God has called us to be and being great at that. I, I, I was talking with a friend the other day, and it just these three words just came out of my mouth because he was asking, what's the ministry all about? And I said, it's, a, it's, about, it's about do small awesome. And I just said those three words, and he paused and went, oh, that's good. And I went, oh, that is. I'd never said that before. Yeah. <laughs> And so at some point, I got to write a blog post entitled that, Do Small Awesome. But I think if you're going to take three, I don't think I could take three better words to describe what my ministry is about. Do Small Awesome. And that, Uh, you know, that's almost all of our conversations revolve around that. That's, you know, that's the point of the podcast is telling pastors, stop letting people 
make you feel less than because you are not X number of people, right? Yeah. Be the number exactly. of people you are and be awesome at it. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, what, what if we told our kids, right? Uh, you know, you got to go to school and you have to make 15 friends uh, and you have to be excellent at four different sports and uh, get straight A's. What if we put that kind of expectation on our kids? I mean, that would be ridiculous. Nobody does that. We want our kids to go out and find things they're good at, right? And make yeah. good friends and, you know, figure things out for themselves, but to be awesome at the things that they're doing. And, you yeah. know, I just feel like when we ask the church to do everything and be everything, I'm, you're just shooting yourself in the foot. You can't, you can't do that. Yeah. And the, and the challenge uh, in some places, well, where I live, for instance, it, it, the biggest challenge for small church guys is, but if we don't do everything, there is a mega church down the street that does do everything and they'll leave us and they'll go there. And the truth of the matter is that does happen. It's happened to me. It happens to me still. It happens to our church. You find yeah. somebody hasn't been there for a while. You call up and you go, well, they have this for these kids, and they have this for the teenagers, and they have this for divorce recovery, and, they have, and we don't have all of those things. When are you going to start all of those things? <laughs> well, when we jump from 200 to 2,000 overnight, maybe sure. then we'll start all those things. But at 200 uh, or, or less, um, we, there, are, are, are few, there are fewer number of things we do well, so it's incumbent upon us to do those fewer things even better. Right. And not just add to the pile. Oh, Be- because oh. it's yesterday. So yesterday yeah. was August, what twenty fourth, right? Already, mm-hmm. I was experiencing thoughts and uh, feelings that you know people want to do stuff, and I'm thinking, ah, I don't think we should go there. I don't think we should have an expectation on ourselves that we should be doing that particular ministry, yeah. and that somehow we should you know have it all together in that area too, because in our small churches there are only so many people to go around to staff ministries right it's funny the the culture you described there where people will leave for ministries in other churches it's i don't you know every everybody's in a different context around here people just smorgasbord what they want so we have good kids programming at our church and so a lot of people from other churches (laughs) their kids to our pro (laughs) well we we do we that happens here too we have a lot of people who will come they'll this will be their sunday morning church this will even be where their youth kids go to youth group but they're uh, in recovery from alcohol addiction, and we don't have a celebrate recovery, so they go to. I mean, the mothership for that is dry, in driving distance, Saddleback. Sure. So, and 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 you know what? I'm really cool with that. Yep. Yeah. Because if they need that, and we just aren't equipped to supply that, I can't be jealous of it. I can't hold people too tightly because if you hold them too tightly, you will lose them completely. Right. And you're here for this, and you get benefit over there, and that's part of the way the kingdom of God works, exactly. is that each body adds its part. But this part that we add, uh, n- nobody does what my church does as well as my church does it. And, and you have to decide, every church has to decide, what is it that we do? Mm-hmm. You know, what is it that God has gifted us at, and that we can be great at, as you know, defined by our church in our context, in our community? Yeah, and that was the third thing on on your bullet point list in this blog was to figure out what your church is great at. You know, a couple weeks ago, Johnny was out of town, and he had a group uh, from our church out of town, and it was the middle of the summer, and there were others out of town, and and I stood up and I remembered something that we had said in our podcast on a number of occasions. We've said this, and I looked out at the people who were there, and it was a scarce crowd that Sunday, 
And I said, you know, we talk about not looking past the people who are here so far to the people who aren't here that we just ignore those of you who are here. So I looked at everybody. I made eye contact, and I said, you know what, this morning I'm looking at those of you who are here. And I said just some words kind of celebrating the fact that, hey, you guys are here. This is Sunday morning. We're going to worship together, and we are so glad that you're here because that's that was the greatness of our church that morning. There were a hundred and, I don't know, 20-something people there, and that's all that was there that morning. But each one of those 120 were important. And yeah, it was a, it was a it could be a great crowd, even though it was a small crowd. Yeah, the, the biggest challenge though is, and, and whenever I bring this up, I uh, have small church pastors ask me this: Well, how do we figure out what we're great at? And mm-hmm. it, it's not an easy question to answer. But I, I came up with an illustration, or I, I stole an illustration years ago, and I make it my own now. And I don't think I've told it on the podcast before. There's an old story about a guy who approaches a barn and there's a guy shooting arrows against the side of the barn and as he comes around to see where the arrows have landed he sees five arrows that have landed each one of them dead center into a bullseye and he looks at the archer and he goes man you're really good how did you become that good the archer doesn't say anything he goes he pulls the five arrows out he goes around to the other side of the barn there's nothing on that side of the barn he shoots the five arrows they hit randomly just nowhere they just bam 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 hit the side of the barn he goes up and he draws a bullseye around each of the arrows on target baby yeah, taking that little illustration, what I tell small church pastors is this. Take a look at where your arrows tend to hit. Keep shooting arrows, and you're going to find that, hey, our arrows tend to clump over here. Our arrows tend to clump over there. Find the spots you tend to hit regularly, and then do that on purpose. And one of the things that you say in your blog post is you talk about the word settle, right? Yeah. You're going to be a great church. It, it, don't put all kinds of pressure to, to conform to some standard of greatness that some other quote-unquote great church has. But but just don't settle in your context. Absolutely. You know, don't settle for less than what you could actually do as a church. Right. I like that. Yeah, and you're not settling when when you say this is what we do and this is all we do. That's not settling for less. That's narrowing your focus. Yeah, right. And there's a big difference between the two. Once you've narrowed your focus, now if you get lazy and don't keep doing that focus, that's laziness, that's settling. But if you've figured out a very narrow focus and you do that with all your heart, with prayerful, worshipful uh, approach to it and training people to, and discipling them to do that thing, but you never expand beyond that narrow focus, that's not settling at all. That's laser focus. And God will honor that, and God will use you to minister to people who need that very specific thing. Yeah, and that's your fifth point in the blog, is just keep doing what your church is great at. And, I, you know, I'm thinking, don't take the exit ramps. They're they're all over the place, right? Get, get yep. sidetracked here, go do this. Get sidetracked here, go do that. No, keep doing what your church is great at. And, and I would say you will have more... Um, avenues open up through through what you're already great at so i think about our church right um jeff 10 years ago you got to our church and they they asked you hey one of our focuses is we want to be more friendly we want to be more inviting okay i show up at this church 10 years later and i feel like this is the most friendly and inviting church i've ever stepped in i'm and i'm serious i mean it's just like that's a strength that's what we are really great at well then we all we had to do was part that opened up hey now that Johnny's here and is going to put a little focus, you know, toward college students, 
Well, they come to our church, and and maybe I help them through the door, but we keep them because we're friendly. Yeah, mm-hmm. right. And we keep doing what we're great at, and it opens more and more and more ministry opportunities. They're not they're not exits to something else. They're along the road. There they yeah. are. You'll have more chances to minister to people and and to and to love on people if you just keep doing what your church is great at. Yeah, absolutely. And, and part part of the challenge, it was a challenge that our church faced. Sometimes the thing you're great at isn't a thing that is necessarily going to put a whole bunch more butts in the seats. No, yeah. <clears throat> like one of, one of the things we discovered, it's in the piece, one of the things we discovered we were great at was we're really good at training people up and sending them out. Well, if you're going to do that, train them up and send them out, that means they're leaving you. <laughs> right. And I actually had to sit down with our <clears throat> the church deacon board about 15 years ago when we began to discover, hey, we got a lot of college students who come here we invest a lot of time in them, but they're college students. When they graduate, they're gone. They're yeah, moving right. somewhere else. And I sat down with the deacon board and I said, here's what's happening. Here's what I think we can really be a blessing to. But we're going to invest all of this time and we're going to lose most of them. So we are not going to see dir- the direct benefits to our congregation from our investment. But I believe the kingdom of God will be well served. And, that, and yeah. to a person, God bless them. They said, if that's what we're called to do, let's do it with all our hearts. You're talking about our church, Carl. Yeah, similar thing happened <laughs> with us. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that is us. Now, let me let me say this, and Carl, I want you to see if you can respond with your version of what I'm about to say. You know, Johnny yeah. said that when I came here ten and a half years ago, they said, well, we want to be a more friendly, inviting, welcoming church. Well, the truth is that it's a good thing they said that. Because if they said, we want to be a more organized, efficient, <laughs> well-functioning church, I couldn't have done that because I'm not, I'm not great at that. There's, yeah. there's nothing about me that's going to be high, high organizational, high administration. Uh, so it also has to be, you know, we're gifted by the Spirit, right? We're wired, created by God in certain ways. So in your small church, you, you don't try to be what you're not. Right, you know, right. Don't try to be something that nobody in the church has giftedness for. So, Carl, in your church, you know, how do you contribute there? What is the thing that you're great at, that you're gifted at? And I say great. We'll say that. We'll, we'll say great with a small G, right, when we're talking yeah. about ourselves. But, but gifted <laughs> at. What, what are you gifted at that contributes to your church? Before I get to that, let me give you a little my version of your story. Um, our church did grow during a season about a dozen years ago. We grew to almost 400 in attendance. I, I just thought it's going to be onward and upward. We're going to be 600, then 800. After all, we're in Orange County. There's people everywhere. And um, long story short, very long story, very short, what happened was when we were that big, I made the shift that you have to make to go over the 200 barrier. I started doing more administration and less hands-on ministry. I started doing... Uh, you know, all, all, all the stuff. You, I, I did it willingly, but I found that I stunk at it and that I hated it. I spent most of my week fundraising, looking for new buildings, hiring staff, working on administration, working on budgets, all the stuff you have to do when your church gets bigger and you become a manager more than you become a, a hands-on pastor. Mm-hmm. That's not where my gifting is. That's not where my heart is. And I found every day I went into church, I lost a little bit of my soul. Hmm. And I became miserable. I was thrilled with the numbers, but I was miserable in my spirit. And the church started collapsing and nobody could figure it out. And we're talking uh, 10 years, 12 years later, 
only in the last year or two have I really realized what happened was I was a miserable, my soul and spirit were breaking and torn on the inside and nobody knew how to put their finger on it, but nobody wants to be led by a pastor whose spirit is broken and torn on the inside. Yeah. And so this, the church started falling into pieces and nobody knew why. And that was the reason why. Because I was doing things that were way outside my gifting, way outside my calling. I, I couldn't do it. And then I had to recoup after the church shrunk down to you know, barely 100 people. And we had to re- rebuild from there. Um, and now we average around 200. And we have for the last five, six years. You know, every once in a while it'll bump up to almost 250 for a while. It'll drop down to about 150 for a while in different seasons. Um, but I can do that within the gifting and calling and, and so on that God gives me. And so all of that to say brings me to my discovery of my gifting and calling came through trying to do things that I wasn't good at and then having to step back and go, hey, then what am I good at? So, Carl, what, what were you at the, at the peak attendance? Where were you guys at? About 400. Okay. So, and you've been there for what, 20, how many years, 22? Coming up in 22 years now. Okay, so about twice as long as I've, been, as I've been at my church. So most guys will leave the church during the time that you've not left. The stuff yes. that you've gone through, right, when they hit those... Oh, absolutely. Right, yep. when they hit those junctures, they just, boom, they bolt. Yep. Okay, I say bolt. God leads them to another ministry you know and how can we judge that we you know it's it's not it is not beneficial for us to judge each other in that way but i'm saying for those of you listening uh, take a cue from carl who just keeps on going reinvents himself uh tries to continue to move forward and serve and not just give up and go somewhere where it seems as though there might be greener pastures or the ministry isn't so hard or people appreciate him more or people respond a whole lot better um johnny why are you looking at me like why that? are you looking at me like that i was looking over there at the trash can <laughs> i mean hey you yeah, know whatever. whatever you know um so somebody's. I feel like there's a spirit of conviction. Okay, well, okay. Conviction coming down upon the studio <laughs> oh, this afternoon. Oh my goodness! <laughs> there's a spirit of something in here. <laughs> so anyway, um, that was a real interesting moment, wasn't it, Johnny? That was fun. That was kind of cool, right in front of everybody. Yeah. So I think that we need to take a cue from you, Carl. We do that. You actually can work through significant issues. And significant, quote-unquote, failure, come yeah. out on the other end, learn and grow, and continue to do something for hey, God. We should give Ch- Carl's church kudos, too, to walk with him through that. Yeah, exactly. Absolutely. You know what I mean? Because some churches... Oh, the absolutely biggest yeah. factor in that yep. is that they let me fall flat on my face and wanted to keep me anyway. Yeah, so some churches, I mean, just so we don't disparage anybody, some churches are easier than others That's true. to yeah. walk these roads I, with. You know the, what I mean? The church, the church I was at before this one, I was gone in less than two years. <laughs> okay, well, yeah, can, there you I go. Bolt, I can bolt with the best of them. <laughs> <laughs> well, but, it's but the, you know but, where the church but comes. The difference, the difference is both churches were dysfunctional. Both churches had bad history. Both churches had their challenges. Both churches had their problems, and both churches were stuck with me. But the, f- the first one had a group of leaders who were continually looking for fault in my leadership mm. rather than looking for the best 
they were constantly tearing me down for decisions rather than building me up for my good decisions. Right. And the church I'm at now did the opposite of that. When I made mistakes and I was apologizing, they stopped. I actually had a board meeting where they stopped me in the middle of an apology that I made for a, some kind of mess up that I made and some kind of idea that I had that was just awful. I was in the middle of the apology and they stopped me mid-apology and I thought, that's it, I'm a dead man. And one of the board members looked at me and said, Pastor, it's okay. We give you permission to make mistakes. Let's move on. That's a great church. That is. That's, I, you know, I, that board member is still at the church. He's still one of our leaders, and I will forever be in his debt. That is so cool. Yeah, that's good. That's good. I just felt like, you know, good churches and good pastors, you know, they go together. So some, some churches chew up and spit out pastors. My dad was a pastor, yeah. and so... You know, I don't. I just don't want to ever encourage somebody to go and sit and stay and get destroyed by a church. You know, that's not what we want to do either. No, absolutely not. And and part of the reason I, I learned from the dysfunctional church that that beat me up because when I came to this church, they had a reputation for chewing up and spitting out pastors too. They'd been through five pastors in the previous ten years. I sat down with two of the leaders and I said, "This is your reputation. Can you please explain it to me before I say yes and come to your church?" I that's did. I was good. Correct. Yeah. And they were they were shocked. They, well, they weren't shocked because they knew how many pastors they'd been through. Uh, <laughs> and and the, but they walked me through. Here's what happened, and here's why these changes occurred. And every single one of them made sense. And then I called uh, another leader, a church leader, a denominational official, actually, who knew the history of the church. And I said, "Here's what they say happened. Does this line up with your understanding?" And they said, "That's exactly what happened." So I said, "Oh, okay." Then they were. They just made a couple bad choices in a row and had some bad things happen that weren't their fault. And this explanation makes sense to me. This is a hurting church and not, uh, not, not they, they were hurting them. They, they had right. been hurt. They weren't the hurters. Right, right, right. If you're a pastor and you're looking to go to a church and you are interviewing at a church, remember you're interviewing them just as much as they're interviewing you. Mm-hmm. Ask hard questions. Better to find out now than after you've moved your family there. Yeah, and uh, Johnny, you really, <clears throat> you hit on something that I think is really important. And maybe I've been guilty of this, I don't know, I'd have to think it through, but maybe we too quickly lay the blame for a pastor leaving a church on the pastor sure. and Sometimes, not on yeah. the fact that the soil just didn't allow him to grow any roots, Yeah, you know, and the, the stock just fell over because it had no roots in it. Right. And the roots are, are people that you can work with and that will invest in you as much as you invest in invest in them. So if you're a church leader, uh, uh, an elder or a deacon or on a leadership team, you know, take a look at your team and encourage them uh, to be the best team they can be to support their pastors because maybe it's true. The pastors can only be as great and effective as the, the leadership they have in their church allows them to be Yeah, and works with them for. And I, and I would say that for our church, this is kind of funny because we just told uh, the elders at our church, hey, you guys ought to listen to our podcast because <laughs> you know, there's been so much good stuff uh, that we've been able to share with uh, small church pastors that we want to make sure that they hear it. We have good and, guests. And we have we do. We've got great guests. Yeah. And and we've always thought, well, this is for small church pastors, and we're not going to put it on our church, of course, to listen. Uh, but I realize with everything we've been talking about, it would be great for our elders to hear uh, you know, hear our podcast. And, and I do have to say that our guys, are, they are like that with us. They have allowed us to make mistakes, and they're supportive. Uh, but I think that on our side and on a board side, a leadership team's side, 
we're never perfect and we're never as good as we can be. So let's whatever role you fit in the small church, uh, make it better, work hard and work together and give grace and allow people to fall flat on their face. But then, hey, redemptively, can we get up and keep going? And then the great thing is, as a pastor, it's our job to equip the saints, right? And that includes equipping them for leadership. So if you can start out with a church that has just even a basic seed of health to begin with, then you train leaders, you disciple people. You're not stuck with the leadership you came in with if you do the job, the calling that pastors are called to do, which is equipping the saints. Well, they talk about that with presidents after how many years, right? The, every, all the faults in the country are yours. Yeah. And I've heard in churches, this is what I've heard, three years, you get about three years, then you can you cannot, no longer blame the previous pastor. So Absolutely. let's just throw that out there. If you've been in your church for more than three <laughs> years, all the problems are yours, baby. Stop yeah. blaming Pastor Smith. Yeah, no, no, it's not Pastor Smith anymore. It's nope. all it's all at your door. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I, I agree. I, and I think somewhere between three to five years, your church starts looking like you. Mm-hmm. So if you're complaining about them, look in the mirror. Exactly. Um, and that's, yeah. the, I mean, nothing, none of this is universal. Some, of, some pastors inherit generational issues that take a lot longer to get through. We all get that. Right. But to a large degree, yeah, three to five years, no, everything isn't fixed perfectly and it's not likely to be, but... At that point, you've got to start owning some of it and going, okay, this this is me and I've got to... The, the, the good news on that is the more we work on ourselves, the more it gets reflected in the church. So it's really about what, what our friend Dave Jacobs is about, soul care. It's about taking care of your own heart, your own spirit, and your own relationship with Jesus. And a lot of that just kind of oozes out into the church. So a healthy pastor... Uh, who's growing in his faith will pastor a healthy church that's growing in their faith as long as we communicate what Christ is doing in our own hearts. I like that. Perfect. Yeah, that's so true. So yeah, we can't uh, we can't blame our church. We just have to look in the mirror, and we've we've said that we've said that recently as well. Yeah. So Carl, thank you so much for joining us. We did miss you last month. We got busy, and you were busy, and we just didn't connect. But it's really great to have you back on the podcast. Always good to be here, guys. Okay, and your book, The Grasshopper Myth, and yep. your website, newsmallchurch.com. Two great resources, great resources for small church pastors. Absolutely, yep. So thank you. Thanks, guys. All right, take care, Carl. All right, you too. Bye-bye. Bye. Well, there you have it. That was Carl the Shark Vaders. It was good to have him back after missing him for a month. Love, Carl. Johnny, one thing, one thing from this conversation, takeaway for you? The word great. I mean, seriously, that was like the theme of this whole uh, blog that he wrote and I think of our conversation, right? Find your great thing, do great at it, and keep doing great at it. And, and I think that pays off not numerical dividends. Again, that's not what we're in it for, but it pays off kingdom dividends. And I mean that, and I, I mean that sincerely. And we both, you know, both of our churches happen to have the college student uh, thing as an example mm-hmm. where you're talking kingdom dividend, never really numerical dividend i mean for a time you grow but it's all transient um your church it it's not college students probably 99 percent of you listening it's not college students okay but it is something you need to find what you're great at and be great at it just consistently and t- teach that to your people tell them hey th- what are we great at let's talk about it maybe give get some ideas of what they think they're great at find you know if your arrows are clumping bam that's it zero in 
and be great. I wonder when the last time was that I or any of our listeners stood up on a Sunday and said to their people, boy, you know what? It's so great to pastor such a great church. Yeah. Do we believe it? I hope so. Do we believe that we can be? <laughs> we can be together a great church. There's the question. Yeah. You know, is is greatness within our grasp? Not through our own power, but I think so. <laughs> yeah. You know, if we're all together and we're all living spirit empowered. Yeah. And all, you know, it's never all, but seriously, why not? Yeah, I think greatness is within our grasp. So we do think that. We don't think that greatness is about numbers. Nope. It's not about numbers. It's about people. It's about people's hearts. And it's about the Holy Spirit using us to advance the kingdom of God. So believe that, Pastor, and and teach your people that. Amen. And allow, allow a group of people that are a group of 40 or 80 or 120 Allow them to be a part of a great church. Give them the pleasure of that opportunity to experience that. That would be wonderful. Yeah. And thank you so much today for listening to the 200 Churches Podcast. We hope you've been encouraged and challenged by this episode of the 200 Churches Podcast. We'll be back next Wednesday to provide you with more ministry encouragement as you pastor your 200 church. Until then, may God bless you as you lead and love your people.